Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. That's when we bring in our good friend Jason McCormick from uh, Station Casino's STN Sports to talk about the upcoming uh, games this weekend, starting tonight, really, um, with the Dallas Cowboys against the New Orleans Saints. Jason, first of all, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing, my friend? Well, I'm going to be a big Saints fan tonight. The, the money's flowing in on the Cowboys like crazy. And is that because of the uncertainty at quarterback for the Saints? It sounds like, at least looking at Twitter, um, Taysom Hill, I think, might get the call. Uh, how much does that play into where uh, the money's going toward? Yeah, I think the I think the last several weeks the Saints have uh, really kind of been getting beat up by the Falcons. We saw them on Sunday night or uh, Thanksgiving night get uh, kind of beat up by the Bills. They've got a lot of struggles on their offensive line. Uh, we're expecting that maybe Camaro was going to come back for this game, and he's been ruled out. And Taysom Hill is going to get his first start. So um, you know they're up against it, and obviously uh, a huge game for both of these teams. Uh, from a playoff standpoint, uh, really no team is really out of it with the way uh, the NFL has worked this year. But, uh, boy, it really becomes a big bang, big game for the Cowboys to rebound from their uh, Thanksgiving Day loss to the Raiders. Yeah, for sure. Story for another day. I'm really curious to see what the Saints do at quarterback uh, next year. They've got a talented roster. Uh, I can't see them repeating what they did this year. Um, and, and with Jameis Winston and you know the backups that they have, Got to feel like they're going to be either active in free agency or make it a point uh, to make a move for a quarterback uh, in the draft. Yeah, and they so- gave you know they gave Taysom Hill all that money and signed him to a contract. But and, you know he's a jack of all trades, and I, I don't think he's meant to be a starting quarterback. He's meant to be, be used as more as that special piece of two point conversions and unique plays. But uh, we're going to see what he uh, what he can do tonight. And like I said, from a sportsbook standpoint, uh, we're we're going to be a big fans of his tonight, hoping he can pull off a major upset. Well, there you go. Um, let's talk about the Raiders. Uh, they, they had to have that win against the Dallas Cowboys uh, on Thursday. Uh, it would have been, I don't, I'm not going to say it would have been po- impossible for them to make the playoffs from five and six, but it sure makes it a little bit easier, the path a little clearer at six and five. So they had to go get that win coming off a three-game losing streak. What level of surprise did you feel? Because I know the Cowboys were you know, a fairly decided um, you know, a favorite in that game, even without some of the, uh, the, the two wide receivers and a couple other losses that they had. Yeah, and, and I, I would, would be shocked or, or, or lying if I didn't say I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, the Raiders, again, you said it, they, they hadn't looked good. Uh, the three-game losing streak, going to Dallas to play on Thanksgiving Day, um, you know, normally doesn't bode well. But, again, missing those major pieces, and we've seen it throughout the year this year, you know, uh, the, the Titans go to New York without uh, Jones and Brown and aren't able to, to pull out a win against an inferior team there. And not to say the Raiders are an inferior team, but when you're m- missing guys like Cooper and Lamb, um, just that everything doesn't fit, and it's tough from an offensive standpoint. And uh, the Raiders really came out and played well. I mean, they have that big score to Deshaun Jackson, the new piece, to be able to open the game and uh, then be able to hold them off and, and have the great kicking game from Carlson. So uh, they, they put themselves back in the hunt here. The AFC West is wide open, and uh, they can keep winning games. They're going to find themselves in the playoffs. You mentioned Deshaun Jackson, and I felt like that touchdown play uh, early in the game, first drive, um, it just kind of lifted a burden off the shoulder of the, of the Raiders. It felt like they had been playing with a lot of pressure <laughs> the, the three weeks prior to that. Uh, they get the big strike, and I just felt like it sort of set them off and loosened them up, and they started having some fun, and their offense 
looked more like the offense um, that played when Henry Ruggs was out there and they were scoring a lot of points. Um, did that change things? Does that change things? When you, when you see Deshaun, it's, it's one thing to have a guy like that on your roster, um, but it's another thing to start really tapping into him and being able to lean on him. Um, and it, it had an effect on the, on the rest of the offense. There's no question about that. Does that change how you guys look at the Raiders? And it looks like they're a, a, a favorite going into this game against the Washington football team. Yeah, and we, we've actually seen a little bit of money come back on the Redskins, and, and it does kind of change things, but really what changes things is when guys like Waller and Deshaun Jackson don't practice this week, um, and we're not expecting Waller to, to suit up this week, and obviously when we talk about uh, the Raiders and, and a pivotal, pivotal piece in their offense, uh, Waller is, is that main piece, and kind of everything flows around him, so when you get that deep threat, being able to take the top off, that leaves kind of the under routes and a, and a guy like Waller to roam free on some linebackers. So um, seeing some Washington money here, and I think that uh, is because the, of, again, talking about missing pieces for the Raiders. Two other uh, AFC or games involving the AFC West. We'll start with the Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Broncos kind of got off the hide a little bit uh, to win a, a game last week. Um, but they go to Kansas City. They're a decided um, underdog uh, in this game. But there's two things that the Denver Broncos do and have been doing lately. They play good defense and they run the darn ball. And I feel like that gives them a chance. And it's also something that you can put in your suitcase and it travels pretty well. But it doesn't look like that's earning a much uh, respect uh, from you guys. Can you talk about, you know, that game and, and why it might be that the Broncos aren't getting much love? Yeah, and again, after the week of what that defense did to the Chargers, really embarrassed. Uh, the Chargers, from a standpoint of being able to go and attack the football and, and get those big picks. Um, obviously, um, I think the biggest thing here is Andy Reid off of a bye week. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Andy Reid off a of bye week has got some incredible numbers. Um, the Chiefs don't lose off bye weeks, and even Andy Reid going back to his Eagles days doesn't lose, lose off of bye weeks. And The other thing that doesn't, doesn't bode well for Denver here is this game was flexed to the 520, the late Sunday night game. So again, putting Mahomes in that national spotlight and that offense with the ability to go up and down the field. Denver's going to have to do exactly what they did last week and get some key turnovers, run the football like you said. Uh, but do they have those offensive weapons? Can Bridgewater, um, you know, keep up pace um, with the Chiefs if they're able to get off and running? Um, and again, on a, on a Sunday night, um, uh, the Chiefs can be a scary team. And a banged up Teddy Bridgewater at that uh, with the uh, with the shin issue that he, that he's dealing with. Uh, you mentioned the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, you know they've been a roller coaster ride this year as they have prone to be uh, the last few years, or really throughout for a lot for a lot of years, more than just the last few years. But now they make a tough trip to Cincinnati, who are doing uh, something that the that the Chargers aren't very good at dealing with, and that's. Um, running the ball. The Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Mixon have really turned it on in the run game. It's going to be cold. It looks like it's going to be rainy. That might be conducive to the Cincinnati Bengals. Long day ahead for the Los Angeles Chargers in Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, the game's at three, just over three at a three and a half point favorite. So it's, you know, the Bengals, we've talked about them in the past. They've They've turned the tide. You get some confidence in that offense with Burrow, and you said it, that offensive line has just been absolutely destroying people the last three weeks, and Joe Mixon's looked like uh, one of the top running backs in the NFL, and the Chargers just have not been able to stop the run. Um, obviously, you saw Dalvin Cook have a great game against them in Minnesota with Minnesota going to L.A., and then Denver kind of uh, really ball control and, and get all over them. So they're going to have to find something to flip the script and be able to stop that running game. And, um, again, they got to stop the turnovers as well. Herbert hasn't been – uh, you know, real keen uh, throwing the ball and, and safe with the ball. So uh, that Cincinnati defense, if you can 
you know, run the football, keep them off the field, and then when you're able to get an opportune turnover, that doesn't bode well. But you said this Charger team, one week they look great, and the next week, you know, they, they look bad. So this is their, uh, this is their bounce back week if, uh, if we're going on that uh, bad, good uh, return, return of, uh, uh, of the team. We're talking to Jason McCormick from Station Casinos, STN Sports. And before we uh, let him out here, um, he's going to let you guys know uh, how to download the app and get it accessed so you can enjoy all the games this weekend. There's some big college football games, obviously. Uh, so we'll, we'll, he'll get that information uh, in just a little bit. But, uh, Jason, the game that really grabs my attention uh, this week is the Patriots against the Buffalo Bills. Um, no surprise, I guess, maybe to the chagrin of a lot of people, but but really hardly a surprise that all of a sudden Bill Belichick has this team back in contention. They're on the top of the standings in the AFC uh, East. They're, what, a half a game out of the top spot in the AFC. They've got a great young quarterback in Mac Jones who a lot of o- other people overlooked, uh, but not Bill Belichick, and he was more than happy to scoop him up with the 15th overall pick. He's the odds-on favorite at this point to win uh, Rookie of the Year. They're also playing the heck out of the defensive side of the ball. They're running the ball. They're doing things that Bill Belichick coached teams do, and they're doing it in a smart, efficient Manner, But as I look at uh, where this thing is, at least the last I, I checked, they're not the favorites uh, on Monday night against the Buffalo Bills. It looks like um, the Buffalo Bills uh, have that distinction. Is it where the money is headed or what you guys are seeing? No, I mean, this game opened with the Bills being a three-point favorite and it's creeped down just below that uh, two-and-a-half or some three-evens. Um, everything you said about the Patriots is exactly right. They're when you look at the point differential in the NFL, they're the number one point differential. I think it's a, a plus 146 from a point differential standpoint. Um, they're also a perfect 5-0 and on the road, so they've been road warriors, um, have no problem going on the road here. This, you talked about it being cold in Cincinnati. This is supposed to be uh, the nastiest game of the week. They're, they're, they're expecting snow flurries. They're expecting 20-mile-an-hour winds. Um, this, this could be an absolutely uh, horrid condition, which I think, again, bodes more into that Patriot uh, way of playing football, that they don't need to throw the ball downfield. They rely on that running game, rely on the short passing game. Um, so all those weather conditions uh, kind of play in the, into the part of them. Uh, but, but, but Buffalo played Thursday night and against the Saints and has had that extra time to rest. And if you remember last year, they went into uh, New England and, and uh, blew them out and kind of rubbed it in, um, kind of say, hey, we're, we're the new face of the division. So these teams are actually going to play uh, two times in the next three weeks. So uh, it's going to be real interesting. And this, you said it, this is one of those times when you want to turn that TV on Monday night and uh, get after it. But be really aware that this game is going to be played in some nasty conditions as we look at uh, what the projections are going to look like from a weather standpoint in Buffalo on Monday. Well, I love it, so let's bring it on. Uh, but we'll be uh, safe and sound here in Las Vegas, and many of us will be watching the game from the comforts of our own home. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a little bit of fun while we're watching that game. And, Jason, can you let the fans know uh, how they can have a little bit more fun watching the games uh, well, you, through you your app? Well, you teed it up perfectly, the, the comforts of home, being able to not get out, not have to drive down to the casino. It's, again, one of those real easy things. Get signed up at any station, uh, El Cortez, uh, Wildfire Sportsbook, takes uh, less than five minutes. 
Um, you're going to end up with the sports book in the palm of your hand. You can fund um, so many different ways on the app, so you don't have to come back down to the book. And with everything that's going on in pro football, and as we start to get into the college bowl games, and we've got uh, college basketball and uh, pro basketball and hockey, it's just a, it's that great time of year. And obviously with the holidays, uh, not being able to run out of the house. So get yourself on the STN Sports app. We've got a bonus up to $100 right now for all new sign-ups uh, just for signing up. So it's, uh, it's that perfect time of year to get signed up. No question about it. Jason McCormick, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the games, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Vinny. You got it. That was Jason McCormick from Station Casinos, STN Sports. You know what he's talking about. Uh, Go do what he said to do, uh, and have a little bit more fun uh, watching the game, whether it's the Raiders or that Monday night football game. I'm going to be glued to the TV watching the Patriots at the the Buffalo Bills, and it sounds like uh, we might have a little Santa Claus or something uh, with the snow. So uh, maybe some reindeers uh, will be – there will be a reindeer sighting uh, in Buffalo. It's always a great time of year. We're getting into December. Christmas is coming. The cold weather is here. It's going to get nasty. It's going to get ugly. Who wants it more? Who's better prepared to deal with it? Um, this is a great time of year for the NFL. And you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. It's Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Uh, huge, obviously, to start fast. Uh, the number of statistics out there on, on teams that score first in a game, your percentage of winning a football game. So we're aware of that, the importance of starting fast and, and, um, and getting him involved more in, in what we're doing. Uh, and th- that was a big part of it was him feeling comfortable enough to be out there and be able to handle the, the volume that we have. And not, not so much the volume because he could handle that, but also the possibility of checks at the line of scrimmage and knowing what to do when uh, Derek maybe had to make an audible uh, because of pressure at the line of scrimmage. But his comfort level uh, at being able to play uh, a full game uh, obviously, since he's been here, it's much greater now. Uh, and, and we just felt like th- that game uh, against Dallas was a game that, all right, he's ready to, to handle a much bigger role. And so let's get him involved and try to get him involved early. And uh, it worked out well for us. That was Raiders offensive coordinator Greg Olson talking about Deshaun Jackson today uh, at the practice facility uh, in Henderson. By the way, happy birthday to Deshaun. He turned 35 yesterday, uh, had a nice what he uh, explained was uh, 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 a nice chill uh, birthday dinner over at Tao um, here in Las Vegas. Great restaurant, by the way. Love that place. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, his former teammate uh, over at the University of California, Berkeley, uh, joined him. Um, if you go to uh, Deshaun's uh, uh, Instagram account, you can see all the photos and videos. Uh, looked like a really good time. It was really funny. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Monster. Uh, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Um, and I'm with Greg Olson in that getting the ball to him early was such a game changer. Obviously, they scored a touchdown. Uh, what was it, the third play of the game, a 56-yard touchdown uh, on a perfectly executed play between Derek Carr uh, and Deshaun Jackson. And that, you know, we've talked about it. It kind of lifted the pressure off of the Raiders' shoulders. It got them uh, on the right side of the scoreboard. That's important statistically when you talk about wins and losses, especially with the Raiders when they score first. Uh, they really do put themselves in a, in a great position uh, to hold on and, and win. And I just feel like Deshaun Jackson 
a fully engaged, activated, uh, comfortable Deshaun Jackson makes this offense whole again. And, you know, obviously not having Darren Waller potentially, uh, that, that hurts uh, the Raiders uh, on Sunday. The hope is that um, if he does miss this game against the Washington football team, uh, it, it's not going to be something that lingers. Uh, that, and the hope is, for the, from the Raiders' perspective, uh, is that he's going to be um, on the field more often than not uh, heading down the stretch. But when you envision that Raiders offense with, with Darren Waller, with Deshaun Jackson, with Zay Jones and Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro and Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake and an offensive line that has slowly but surely uh, gotten better. And of course, Derek Carr um, calling the shots. Uh, when you have all of those components that we just mentioned, it just feels whole again. And there was a lapse there for about three weeks where it just wasn't whole. It wasn't what it wasn't the offense that the Raiders uh, envisioned. And look, players getting hurt. Players, whatever, losing players, um, players going down for whatever the reason might be, that's part of the NFL. Um, and it's obviously a next man up proposition. That's how it always is. And you try to do the best you can with whoever is behind, whoever might have gotten hurt or is no longer available. But, you know, there's no doubt that you lose good players, it's harder to replace them. And it was really, like I keep saying, fortuitous that Deshaun Jackson was available for the Raiders. And you saw what he was able to do against the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday and the component that he adds to this offense and how he kind of completes it um, in a way that the Raiders like to play. Stretching the field um, is so hugely important for this offense. And, you know, uh, in fact, here's Greg Olson talking about what that means uh, to the other, to the rest of the offense, and and what it can kind of create when when they're targeting a player like uh, Deshaun Jackson Long. Okay, looks like uh, we don't have uh, that that clip. We'll get back uh, to it uh, in just a second. Um, but anyway, getting back to the funny part of this, you know, uh, it was Deshaun Jackson's birthday last night. Yesterday, he turned thirty five years old, and. Um, Paul Gutierrez, our good friend over at ESPN, asked him, <laughs> you know, how does it feel to be 35? And, and in no uncertain terms, kiddingly, uh, Deshaun Jackson was like, uh, it's been one day, man. Pump the brakes. Let's not talk about it. Because, you know, when you get older, you don't want to always think about getting older. Uh, I know that. I know that feeling uh, all too well. And so he's like, dude, you know, let's let's stop, man. Let's, let's not even go there just yet. But uh, hearing him talk about his birthday celebration, Marshawn Lynch was in town, you know, some family and friends, um, and uh, uh, and how different it is at 35 compared to other years maybe. And then also, you know, he said, look, no partying, just chill, had some dinner, got a chance to talk to and visit with some friends. It was a cool night out, you know, and, and he said, look, I'm not about party. I'm not saying partying is over at 35. But it's not the focus right now. You know, the focus right now is winning football games for the Raiders uh, and being a pivotal part of that. And uh, he's he's already shown that he still has the capability of doing exactly that. But um, also what was very interesting is, you know, much like Deshaun Jackson, I grew up in Southern California. So Las Vegas was always available, you know, and easily accessible uh, to those of us in, in SoCal. I mean, it was an easy trip to get here, whether it was a 45-minute uh, flight, you know, or uh, three hours in the car, four hours in the car, depending on where, where your starting point was and what traffic was. So um, this was a place where a lot of Southern Californians come for the weekend. It's an easy get-to. And 
the thing is, when you know what you know of Las Vegas on those short visits is really just the strip. That's it. You come, you go to the strip, you gamble, you have fun. Um, you know, you eat at some great restaurants. You have some great nights uh, at, at you know some of the great you know bars and and clubs and go see a show. All of that is all right there for you in that strip on the Las Vegas Strip. And then you go home, and that's that. That's what you know of Las Vegas. Uh, but, you know, talking to Deshaun today about how, you know, where he is in his life, A, what his priorities were are at this very moment, which is winning football games and playing a big role uh, in that for the Raiders. The strip is, you know, there, but it's not something that you're going to be uh, uh, hanging out 24-7, not with what he wants to do and get accomplished and where he is in his life right now. So it's given him an opportunity to see the other side of Las Vegas. And uh, I can uh, absolutely relate because, again, as somebody who grew up in Southern California and lived a long time in Southern California, Las Vegas was the Las Vegas Strip. That was it. That's all I knew about Las Vegas, you know, and um, that's all I needed to know. But now that I live here and, you know, it's going on two years that, that I've been here, you realize how much this part of the country has to offer, this state has to offer. Southern Nevada, um, you know, you go up to, to Summerlin, which is about 30 minutes away from where I'm uh, sitting right now, or Henderson, which is exactly where I am right now. And there's beautiful suburbs, there's beautiful developments and homes, um, things are close together, there's not a whole lot of traffic, uh, there's good schools, there's good neighborhoods and communities. Um, if you like the outdoors, you know, there's there's de- de- hiking, you know, up in Red Rock, uh, let's say, and other areas here in, in, in this part of Las Vegas and Nevada. There's a beautiful lake. There's Mount Charleston. If you want to go ski during the winter or if you want, uh, you know, uh, mountain activities, you could go up uh, to, to Mount Charleston. Uh, there's great restaurants, and it's not just on the Strip. It's all over, uh, really. And so it was interesting hearing... Deshaun talked today about, you know, getting a, uh, having a different vantage point of Las Vegas now that he lives here. And, you know, talking to him, it sure sounded like this is not a bad place to be, you know. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a place that it sounds like he wants to be for longer uh, than these next six games and, you know, possibly the playoffs. Uh, that's what the Raiders' goal is and objective is, is obviously is to make the postseason. So hearing him talk about – you know, there's a time and place for the strip, you know, and he's not ruling all that out, um, you know, at, at 35 years old, which, by the way, is not that old. But, you know, uh, I was there uh, at one point, too, in my life in 35, seeing, oh, my gosh, I'm getting old. So, um, you know, uh, uh, so it's, it's interesting to hear him at this point in his life, you know, what some of his priorities are and, and, and what he's, um, you know, all about. And, you know, also talking to, to Deshaun today about still playing at a high level in spite of being 35 years old, which is what he turned last night. You know, I kind of want to wait to, um, you know, maybe retired and look back and flash back on it. But, like, in the midst of it, man, it's just a great feeling. You know, you work so hard to, you know, <clears throat> be in a position like that. So once you really are in that position, man, it just feels good. So, just to know that you could go out there and still, you know, play this game at a high level and beat all these young dudes that's been watching me since they've been young kids and still be able to do it, man, it's, it's definitely a great feeling. 
It was funny because then it was Deshaun Jackson talking about uh, still playing at a high level, and there's no way you could have watched him play on Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys and not truly believe and understand this dude's got juice left in those legs. Um, you know, he was blessed, obviously, uh, as a fast, 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 fast human being. And um, even though he's 35 years old, all of 35 years old, um, he still has a lot of that speed, and we saw that, um, you know, we've seen it on a handful of times already since he got here, but certainly it was on display on that, thir- on that 56-yard touchdown where he was just moving <laughs> up the sideline. It was a thing of beauty and also the footwork, too. He was hugging the sidelines, and, um, you know, there's, okay, is he going to stay in bounds? Is he going to step out of bounds? But dudes like that that have, you know, played this game for a long time, they understand um, where to where to put the feet down uh, when you're dealing with the sidelines and getting up the field, and he got up the field uh, in a hurry. But the whole notion of having him here, um, part of the point of having him here, and then using him as well, I mean, I think those first couple of games, because of where he was with the offense and where he was with Derek Carr, um, it wasn't real conducive to, to taking a bunch of shots downfield uh, with Deshaun Jackson. It just wasn't happening at that point. But it certainly did on, on Thursday against the Cowboys. And if you look at the numbers across the board with Hunter Renfro uh, over 130 yards receiving of, of Josh Jacobs and the run, Josh Jacobs had 87, 88 yards uh, on the ground. There's 144 yards overall offense. They'll, the Raiders will take that every day of the week. Um, and Again, I don't believe in coincidences. Deshaun Jackson being on the field for as many plays as he was, having the impact that he did, and forcing the Cowboys to really pay attention to him, to me, had an effect on the entire operation, uh, Raiders' uh, offensive operation. Uh, And here's Greg Olson, I believe, talking about um, what that means to be able to have a guy like that, again, that can stretch the field. You know, I, I would say anyone that, that has watched what we, we were trying to accomplish and working to accomplish as an offense when the season started with Henry Ruggs and the importance of, of drafting uh, Henry Ruggs to take the speed and take the top off so that we can get better boxes to run the football uh, is an important part of what we wanted to do. So when, when we lost Henry, obviously it became – uh, important for us to try to go out and find somebody that may be able to take over that role. And 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 then looking and watching Deshaun and knowing people in Los Angeles, uh, we felt like there, here's a guy that will be able to fulfill that role for us. So uh, we're happy, obviously, that we have him. And again, uh, hopefully we'll continue to do what we've been doing here in, in terms of his, his role in taking the top off. That's Raiders offensive coordinator Greg Olson uh, talking about what we've talked about. And, you know, listen, you know, in the in the aftermath of what uh, went down, you know, losing the Raiders, losing Henry Ruggs, um, it wasn't an excuse. In fact, it was a valid explanation um, and obvious to point out what the Raiders were missing without him. And as Greg Olson pointed out, and I, I can't stress this enough, the Raiders drafted Henry Ruggs specifically for how he fit in this offense, what his skill set represented and meant to this offense. It was a piece to a puzzle. And, you know, when John Gruden and Mike Mayock were going about building this team and building this offense, going into that draft in, in, in 2019, or to, excuse me, 2020, they understood, and it's why amid a whole bunch of wide receivers that were in that draft, um, that a lot of players that are doing really well, it's why they identified specifically 
the type of uh, skill set that, that Henry Ruggs had because they felt like that was needed to to really take this offense to another level. And so, and it was working. That's the whole thing. It was really working, and this offense was becoming more and more explosive, and it really was opening things up uh, for everybody else. And I think that it was it was going to continue on that path. And then boom, no more Henry Ruggs um, here with the Raiders. And so, what do you do at that point um, to to replicate that? And it's not the easiest thing, especially in the middle of the season. We've talked, you know, Zay Jones is a, a is a good football player, but he's not Henry Ruggs, and um, there's very few guys that, that are capable of being that level of speedster and wide receiver and explosiveness and, and football player. And, you know, I think Zay is getting better the more time that he gets. He had a nice game against the Dallas Cowboys. But, but there's certain guys, and Deshaun Jackson is one of them, that can be that kind of a player. Um, so... It was a big piece of the puzzle that we mentioned that got taken out of the equation, but here's Deshaun Jackson that's you know replacing him. It was going to take a little bit of time, but you saw on Thursday what that means and, and what that could mean moving forward. Now, the key, you know, he is 35 years old, so um, being able to manage his snap counts uh, and be prudent with his playing time, I mean, it's easy to say, hey, go out there you know, um, and, and play every single play. But the kind of – when you're running that hard, that fast, that explosive, uh, you're putting a lot of pressure on your legs, on your body. And it's one thing if you're 22 years old, but when you start getting up there uh, a little bit in age, it's something that you have to be aware of. And so, you know, the Raiders are tasked moving forward, and this is the entire offensive staff – uh, Greg Olson, wide receivers, coaches, is, is is really picking and choosing, and that's that's really the the kind of the beauty of also having Zay Jones because he's a very fast human being himself. And while it's different, um, and it just feels different, and it looks different with Zay compared to a Deshaun or or a Henry, um, he still is able to stretch the field. He's still able to do what he does, and so they don't have to go into a game. I don't think anyway where it has to be Deshaun and that's it and nobody else will do. I think there's a there's a balance that the Raiders can create that really does help Deshaun in terms of maintenance, in terms of mileage, in terms of putting too much pressure on him at this stage of his career where they could get the most out of him but not push him so hard that, hey, an injury might uh, occur, and you know he missed practice today with a little bit of a of a calf. Those are the type of things that you have to be concerned about. Those are the type of things that you have to be on top of, and sometimes less is more in that regard. And sometimes more can be, even though I mean he's so good, and you 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 want him out there as many times as possible because he means so much, but. Um, you could push it a little bit too far, and then all of a sudden you might lose them for a game or two, and that's what the Raiders don't need uh, right now. So with the calf injury, I would imagine uh, on, on Sunday against the, the Washington football team, you might see him play you know, fewer snaps than you did against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, granted, they, the Raiders' offense in, uh, on a whole took 80, had played 87 snaps or 87 offensive plays run. That was more than or, – or double – Pretty much double what they had play, what they had run the game before against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Eighty-seven is a lot, but forty-seven is way too little. So it has to be in that 
probably in that 73, 74 range, high 60 range, uh, and, and, and making those plays efficient. That's kind of where you want to be because, obviously, as we've talked about, you know, not only are you putting yourself in a better position to score and things like that, but you're also taking pressure off of your defense. You don't want your defense to be out there the entire game, not at this level. And we saw what that can mean detrimentally when the Raiders' defense was exposed uh, too much against the Kansas City Chiefs and against the Cincinnati Bengals because they became a breaking point. Uh, late in both of those games, two close games became blowouts because the defense was uh, out of gas. And so there's that that balance. But I would think with Deshaun, you know, he's going to get involved more and more. But I'm not quite sure he's going to get 41 snaps uh, on Sunday or, or, or anytime soon. You just got to figure out a way uh, to make the most of his snaps. Not 9, not 15, but probably not 41. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday, live from the Raiders practice facility here in Henderson. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I want to say surprise, but it's definitely, like you said, it's been a quick transition. I feel like um, anything you put your mind to, like if you just mentally transition along with the physical transition, then it should go, you know, smooth. You're going to have hiccups and mess ups here and there, but. Um, I'm just grateful that I could, you know, pr- uh, produce for the team. Oh, he's producing. <laughs> Make no mistake about that. And that was Nate Hobbs, uh, the Raiders' sensational, sensational uh, rookie cornerback, fifth-round pick out of the University of Illinois, who just burst onto the scene. And I'm going all the way back um, to OTAs and minicamp. This dude just looked like he belonged from day one, and it was apparent. Early on, uh, during the preseason, when he started making play after play, you're like, okay, this dude can play some football. Flat out, straight out, good football player. The Raiders um, hit the jackpot. Hit the jackpot with Nate Hobbs. Uh, that's, that's, it was, it's, and just watching him all year long just get better and better and just never at one point of this season did Nate Hobbs or has Nate Hobbs look like a rookie, sounded like a rookie, conducted himself like a rookie? He looks like an NFL veteran. He looks like he's been here for years. And just credit to Mike Mayock and the staff. Um, I did a story earlier this year during training camp, uh, or the preseason at least, about the process of finding Nate Hobbs. And uh, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Radio Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday. And, you know, uh, there was a scout, one of the, and I have to go back to the story to, to remember the, the scout's name. Uh, but I'll tell you this, after I wrote that story, I got texts from uh, people in the NFL, including some general managers who were like, that dude is a really good scout. <laughs> so uh, the Raiders have a great scout. Uh, in him, and if uh, maybe in the next break, I'll I'll, uh, I'll get the name of that of that scout. But anyway, um, at the University of Illinois Pro Day, Nate Hobbs was doing his thing. You know, the Raiders had a certain grade on him, and the scout, as he's watching Nate Hobbs do his thing, is like, "Huh, I th- I, I don't think we're reading this guy correctly. I think this guy should be a little bit 
uh, have a better grade. You know, I think we should think a little bit more highly of this guy. And so he called Mike Mayak, the general manager, and said, hey, Mike, you know, can you do me a favor and just go watch Nate Hobbs? You know, watch the tape. I think we're missing it on this guy. I think he, we, he deserves a little bit more respect. And as Mike Mayak tells a story, you know, he puts the tape in, and two hours later, he's floored. And he takes that down to Ron Milas, the Raiders' new defensive backs coach, secondary coach, and said, Ron, please, you know, take a look at, uh, at, at this guy. Um, I think we're, you know, this guy can play. And tell me if I'm wrong, you know, you know how those kind of, kind of conversations go. And then Ron Milas watched the tape, and he was sold on, on Nate Hobbs. Then it became a game of when do you draft him, when do you not, and that's understanding the room and knowing the room and having a good sense of where he might be on somebody else's board, yada, yada, yada. The point being the Raiders in the fifth round grabbed him and have not looked back, and he's just been a great football player. And I'm using the word great because that's exactly what he's been. He's been fantastic. And you know who else has been really good is the guy behind him, Trayvon Morig, a second-round pick out of TCU. And they've changed. I mean, I I, I get it, you know. Um, Casey Hayward has played great at, at one cornerback, as, as good as any cornerback in the NFL, frankly. Um, when Trayvon Mullen, who, by the way, was back at practice today after a long stint on injury reserve, he was designated to come back to practice today. Uh, the Raiders now have 21 days to decide whether or not or when to um, you know, put him on the active roster. They don't have to take all 21 days, and maybe it's a good sign that he was out there today because in talking to Rich Passaccia earlier this week, he kind of indicated that, you know, Trayvon wanted to be out there when he was ready to go and not a moment before that. And so uh, we'll see what this means, him returning to practice for a return to the roster and a return to uh, games. Um, could happen this Sunday, and if not, maybe the following week against the Kansas City Chiefs. So this young secondary with Trayvon Mullen and Nate Hobbs doing his thing and uh, Trayvon uh, Morig doing his thing, coupled with a Casey Hayward, a veteran Casey Hayward, is in really good hands. But, man, for, for Nate Hobbs to walk onto the scene and do what he's done, it's invaluable, especially at that slot cornerback position, which is not easy um, for anybody, let alone a rookie who was playing on the perimeter in college at the University of Illinois. It's a completely different vantage point uh, that, that you're uh, playing from when you're in the slot. You know, you've got run responsibilities. You're inside. Uh, the game looks different. Um, you've got offensive linemen that are, you know, uh, lurking uh, everywhere you look and maybe not looking uh, to take you out. And it's something that you have to account for way more in the slot than you do on the perimeter. So that's part of the game. So you have to be physical. You have to be a force in the run game and be willing uh, to be a force in the run game, which is not always, you know, uh, every cornerback in the world's forte. Just look at Deion Sanders, as great as he was, and he was the best to do it probably. He didn't want to tackle anybody. He's like, I, I don't tackle. Tackle in the run game? No, that's somebody else's job. I'm going to take Jerry Rice out of the game and call me in about three hours and uh, we'll get dinner because I'm taking this dude out of the game. Check back with me in three hours, but I'm not tackling anybody if I don't have to. Um so it's not like every cornerback can go inside and be the physical force that you need to be uh, in the run game. But here's Nate Hobbs who's like, mm, yeah, I could do that. I'm willing to do that. I'm able to do that. 
and it changed everything about that Raiders secondary because, yeah, let's be honest, that slot quarterback position has been a bit of a trouble spot <laughs> these last few years. He's locked that job down. And then you've got Trayvon Morg, who uh, heard the interview with him with, with Q earlier today. Great interview um, that, uh, that, uh, that Q did with, with Trayvon having that last line of, a t- uh, of defense. And you can, you can see Trayvon coming. It's been a good five weeks, six weeks where he just keeps getting better. He just keeps getting better. The angles uh, that he's taking um, in the run game on tackles or when somebody gets loose is improving. His coverage has been stellar throughout. That's what he's known for. Um, and in this system, he is kind of that last line of that uh, of defense, that high safety back there. Um, so, and as Q said astutely, um, don't hear a lot of his name sometimes, but that's a good thing because it means he's doing his job. And look, you don't want your free safety to lead your team in tackles, right? That means <laughs> other guys before him didn't make the tackles, you know, and all of a sudden you have to rely on your last line of defense, and, and that's not the guy that you want um, leading your team in tackles. No, that's uh, Denzel Perryman, who's doing a great job in that regard. Corey Littleton's doing a great job uh, as far as tackling. The defensive line, I thought, took a big step in the right direction uh, on, on the, in run support against the Dallas Cowboys. Unique Ngakwe mentioned that yesterday, about it, it might have been his best run support game uh, of the season. So not hearing Trayvon Morig's name is a good thing throughout the defense because it means that other guys are taking care of business in front of him and so that he doesn't have to be not just the last line of defense, but the last line of defense who, if he doesn't make this tackle, it's six points the other way. Um, And there's been a couple times where he's had to be that guy and has delivered, but he's also delivered uh, as a, um, uh, you know, pass defense support guy back there. It's just working. And you look at this, uh, you know, Raiders defense – that's one of the reasons why it's better than it is last year. I know the the points, you know, uh, not quite where uh, you want it to be. I think they're 30th right now, 29th uh, in the league. But part of that, I you know, just, just looking at it logically, looking at it honestly, part of that has also been uh, it kind of got away, games kind of got away from them the last two games, excuse me, the two games prior to the Dallas Cowboys game. And I thought the fourth quarter, they got a little bit, um, a little sloppy uh, in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys. That probably shouldn't have gone to overtime. It did. Uh, the, re- the defense did its job in overtime to get the ball back to the offense. That was a critical stage in that game, obviously. Um, so there was complimentary football uh, go- going on right there. The two games prior to that, I felt like, to be honest with you, the Raiders' defense played pretty darn good for the first three quarters. The problem is, you know, their offense wasn't giving them any help whatsoever, A, and so that meant more plays for the defense out there. And also the defense did some silly things as well, or I should say careless, uh, on some of the penalties, the jumping off sides, uh, the, pa- or the roughing the passer, unsportsmanlike uh, conduct penalty on Unique Ngakwe, on Joe Burrow. It just, all of those were on third downs. There was like, I think, three penalties that the Raiders defense had against the Cincinnati Bengals that were on third downs where they made the stop. That's the worst part about it or most frustrating part about it. If you're the Raiders, they made the stop. They got the team off the field, the Bengals off the field, except for, uh-oh, there's a yellow flag over there. What's that for? Penalty Raiders, new set of downs. Uh, so that's, that doesn't help uh, either. They got away from that on, on uh, Thursday, fortunately for them. And their defensive performance, I thought, 
was much more balanced and much more uh, level. But really, just talking to uh, Nate Hobbs and watching him progress during this during the season has been really, really impressive. And the thing is, he started at a pretty high level, you know. And I just remember in training camp and OTA is talking to some of my colleagues like, man, you know, sometimes you just know. Um, you don't even have to see him. I mean, yes, it has to be reinforced by performance in actual games, you know, when, when, when the games start and tackling starts because you don't see any of that. Um, you know, during training camp, but he just carried himself like an NFL veteran and a good NFL veteran, and it sure has carried over in the NFL season. And I think the Raiders are in really good shape with young Nate Hobbs, young Trayvon Morig, and we'll see if Trayvon Mullen uh, can can get on the field anytime soon because that's going to be a huge boost as well. Hey, I want to say thank you to Sam Fortier from the Washington Post, uh, covers the uh, Washington football team for the Post, um, for his insight uh, onto the Raiders' next opponent. I want to say thanks, as usual, to Jason McCormick from STN uh, Sports Station Casinos. Uh, always appreciate his, his insight. Thanks to Devon Cotton holding things down uh, back at home base. Thanks to our callers. Thanks to everybody that's called uh, so far this week. We really appreciate uh, your input. Tomorrow, I will be live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook from 4 to 6 p.m. Join me there. We'll see you tomorrow in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bondra.